0: Means you can travel worry free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
1: Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So, now that you are more aware of the Valar, the individuals who are the earliest personalities at the beginning. Of this story, we can get into more of the details that are happening at the very beginning of time. And more of the details of what's going on here with Melkor. In this episode specifically, we're going to be detailing some of the first events of the very, very beginning of the story. Melkor's first construction of his his first fortress, the first assault on the Valar themselves, the construction of light, and the really interesting way that light works in Tolkien's mythology. So, let's get right into it, because there are some very interesting details here in the way that the origins of both of these concepts come about. And I think that there is an interplay here between light and darkness that starts at the very beginning of this story. And I think that these themes are here on purpose. So let's just get into the details. And I'll save a lot of the theme talk for later. So in the very beginning of the story, of course, and we've talked about this a little bit on some of the previous episodes, you have the building of the world, and then you have Melkor showing up, and messing everything up, right? We've gone over that. And then Tolkis shows up. Tolkis the Strong. Remember him? He was the Valar who's basically the uh, the heavyweight wrestler of the group who comes in, who's able to kick Melkor's butt and <laughs> basically drives him off to some part of the world where Melkor can flee and regain his strength for a while. And this is about all we get from the very first conflicts that these conflicts happen for a very long period of time. And then the last to show up in the world of all of the Valar is Tolkis who shows up and kicks Melkor's butt. Melkor flees and heads off somewhere else. And then the next thing we find out is that because Melkor is headed off into the outer darkness somewhere, Tolkys takes a break. He basically takes a nap. He relaxes. And for a time, the Valar are able to go about their business. And in this version of Arda, they basically have the entire world to work with. They can do What they want in order to sculpt and make the world the way they see fit. And we don't have a lot of specific detail about this other than the creation of the lamps. We have an understanding that there's these encircling seas, that the world itself is kind of this plate shape, potentially it's flat it is not a sphere yet. It is a flat shape. There's land. There are seas on kind of this big plate. And in the north and in the south are created these pillars. Aule and Yavana work together to create these mighty lamps. These pillars and these lamps. And Varda... Shows up with Manway. Manway hollows out the lamps. And Varda fills the lamps with light. There's one in the north and one in the south. And this makes sense from a kind of basic standpoint, right? We understand two light points in the sky. The sun and the moon. And so we've got lamps in the sky, sort of a northernmost light source and a southernmost light source. Now, if you were to imagine being on a planet sort of world, but it's flat, and there is a light source due north and a light source due south that are shining all of the time, then for the most part, wherever you are, there's always light. So it's gone from Endless night with stars to basically endless day. But there's never a light source over your head. There's a light source on the horizon to the north and on the horizon to the south. So you have a changeless day. It never changes at all. The light sources basically are just on. That's it. And because of these light sources... Life starts to grow. The seeds that y- Yavana has planted across Arda sprout and grow. Things grow everywhere. Grass, moss, trees, plants, wildlife, beasts, animals, rivers, lakes, everything. Birds. But the children do not show up yet. Still, the Valar have no sense of when the elves or the men are going to show up. And again, great periods of time go by. And yet nothing has been told to them from Iluvatar about when the children will show up. And they feel safe. Because they now have light. Melkor seems to have been forgotten. He's been cast off into the darkness. It seems as if he's left the plane of existence at this point. He's left Arda, it feels like. He's gone off, it seems like, into the void. Tolkis is sleeping. He doesn't even need to do anything at this point. And they are able to just build and create as freely and happily as they want. This is called the Spring of Arda. But of course, little do they know that Melkor has found a place far to the north. And this is another theme that happens. Oftentimes Melkor travels far to the north. And for some reason, Tolkien chooses the north. In fact, the one difference here in the stories is that Sauron travels to the south east. Mel, uh, Mordor is southeast on the maps of Middle-earth. Melkor almost always creates his fortresses to the north. And this is a theme you'll notice in future content that I, that I talk about. But he travels to the far north, and they're not even looking for him. The, the Valar are not seeking him. And he uses the shadows, and he delves deep underneath the mountains, where they, they cannot see him. And he creates his first fortress underneath the mountains, deep, deep underground. And he calls it Atumno. And it's a stronghold. And his evil starts soaking into the the earth itself. His hatred and his evil starts flowing into the rivers and into the earth. And it starts rotting everything and it says here in the texts that green things fell sick and rotted and rivers were choked with weeds and slime and fens were made rank and poisonous the breeding places of flies and forests grew dark and perilous the haunts of fear and this is the first time that we see in this next passage that i'm about to read not just the conversion of places and even the vegetation, but animals. The beasts became monsters of horn and ivory and dyed the earth with blood. And remember on previous episodes, I talked about how Melkor made things but more often he took the things that were made by others and changed them he was taking the wildlife the plants and the animals and changing them and he didn't yet have the children of the Luvatar, but he did have the animals and he turned them into his own servants here it says But Melkor trusted in the strength of Atumno and the might of his servants. And his servants servants here are not just the creatures, not just the animals that are turned to his servants, but also, and I haven't talked a whole lot about this yet, but the lesser powers, the lesser spirits, there aren't just Valar, but there are Maiar. Like Aloran, Gandalf. I talked about Aloran on the previous episode a little bit. And there are many Maiar. There are many lesser spirits who are working alongside the Valar. And many of those lesser spirits have already been converted over by Melkor to follow him. It was in the song that they were singing. Remember this from the first episode? Where... He convinced many of the other instruments to follow his melody. Many of those other instruments were other Maiar, like Sauron himself. Sauron is a Maiar, and those are his servants. In fact, things like Balrogs are lesser spirits. And we'll get into that in a future episode because it is really freaking cool once you realize how powerful a Balrog actually is when it comes to the scale of powers in the world. So these are the servants of Melkor in the world at this point, and they are working with him to spread this sickening evil among this underground location. And there only so much time goes by until eventually the Valar start to realize that this is what's happening. But it's too late. Because by the time they realize that this is happening, Melkor comes forth. And he is ready for war. Again. And he strikes the first blow. Now you think that the Valar would have been prepared at this point. They know what he does. They know who he is. They know that he is incessant, that he does not give up, but enough time has gone by, I guess. And they are forgiving types and, you know, they're the good guys or whatever. But sure enough, no, he doesn't disappear. He regains his strength, of course, because that's just how these stories go. Right. And he brings forth the full force of his his powers and of course what does he go after he goes after the pillars the lights the lights are named eluin and ormal now these lights themselves were crafted by the Valar. they in themselves contain power that the Valar gave to them in order to shine light across the entire world. And I'm sure it wasn't easy to destroy them, but Melkor is strong. Melkor's forces are strong. We're talking extremely powerful beings at the beginning of time. And I don't know that we can really imagine what these conflicts would have been like. But it's described here that melkor and his and his forces cast down the pillars and seas arose in tumult and when the lamps were spilled destroying flames poured out over the earth and the shape of arda and the symmetry of its waters and its lands was marred in that time this was a cataclysmic event this was not just you know like a guy walks up to like a pillar it's not like he, it's not like he wandered up to a uh, a lamp and just toppled the lamp over and was like i broke your lamp guys <laughs> no no this was this was these beings these cosmic powers created something the equivalent of a floating star almost that was attached to the ends of the earth And then he destroyed them, and it created earthquakes and volcanic activity. It shook the foundations of the world. It changed the shape of the oceans and the continents. This was enough of a cataclysmic event that it completely changed the world. Everything the Valar had done up until this point basically had to be remade because of the events of Melkor. So again, it's like they had to start over. This is how cataclysmic this was. Not only that, but he also destroyed the lights. So he was basically casting everything back into darkness. And in this darkness, he escaped again. They could not catch him. So he threw everything into chaos. He threw everything. All of the Valar into chaos and darkness and fear. He hit them when they did not expect it and then disappeared. And this is another theme that happens all the time. The bad guys always strike when nobody expects it. And they always use darkness, confusion, fear. All of these are part of their bag of tricks. And it says in the Silmarillion, For above the roaring of the seas he heard the voice of Manwe, he being Melkor, as a mighty wind, and the earth trembled beneath the feet of Tolkis. But he came to Atumno, ere Tolkis could overtake him, and there he lay hid. And the Valar could not at that time overcome him, for the greater part of their strength was needed to restrain the tumults of the earth and to save from ruin all that could be saved of their labor. And afterwards, they feared to rend the earth again until they knew where the children of Iluvatar were dwelling. Who were yet to come in a time that was hidden from the Valar. So basically. It's this event. Which makes them so aware of the potential power of Melkor and the fact that he is so sneaky and he is able to to do things beyond what they can conceive. They do not think the way he thinks. They do not have the capacity to think and conceive of these dark plots. So they cannot predict him. And because they know that from this moment on, they are more careful. And because they know that they have to take care of the children of Luvatar, they make some changes and so they reshape the world and in reshaping the world they create for themselves a dwelling in the west so they are no longer this worldwide power they are no longer just willy nilly out and about wherever they want to go they move their dwelling to a continent in the west and then there is a great ocean, and then there is another continent, which eventually becomes named Beleriand and Middle Earth. And in the western continent, this becomes their home, Valinor. And in Valinor, they create a fortress. And on the outskirts of the continent of Valinor, they create mountains. And the mountains themselves are like walls to encase the continent in order to protect them and their borders from Melkor. The continent itself is a fortress. And they lay out plans to use the continent as a place that they could bring the children. Once the children appear, because they don't know where the children will will first appear. So they start devising plans for what they can do for when the elves or the men first show up. So when I talk about the Valar and being in a, a fortress somewhere or being on a mountain, all of these things are happening in Valinar. In the westernmost continent and this is important for the rest of the story because from this point on the Valar have a home this is where they dwell at least most of them remember I also talked about some of the Valar who didn't like to stay in one place Olmo the spirit of the sea liked to travel liked to stay in the sea like to visit the children who didn't all exist in Valinar, right? But for the most part, most of the Valar exist in Valinar. They live in Valinar. And still, at this time, the world is still shaped like this great plate with all of the continents all on this plate. Everything is still in the world. It's just you have this kind of fortress-shaped continent off in the west, But that's not the end of the story, because the world is still dark, and the world needs light. But they have to protect the light, so they come up with a new plan. And the plan has to do with, and this is going to sound odd, trees. And I'll get to that after the break. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it.
2: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
1: Thanks again for tuning into the Lord of the Rings lore cast and a big thank you to our patrons. And especially uh, thanks to our newest patron, we have Ola G who signed up this last week. Uh, thanks for signing up. Hope you guys are enjoying the Patreon, the ad free episodes and the bonus episodes you get every week where I go into deeper discussion about some of the details and some of the kind of meta topics around the episodes each week. And some of I I like to get a little bit, a little bit more heady with the conversations here. And if you are one of our patrons who are listening to the bonus episodes, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and comments on those episodes on the Patreon. Love to have kind of a continuing discussion on there as well. So if you have some deeper thoughts you want to share then please do so. And as this continues to grow, I'd love for our Patreon discussions to continue to grow, especially if you are tuning in to some of the original older episodes, please feel free to comment still. Like, don't don't feel the need to, like, if you're signing up as a Patreon and time has gone by and you don't feel like, oh, I, I can't comment on some of the older episodes, please still comment on those. Let's keep the conversations going because there's always more to say. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. So thank you for signing up. Thank you for being here. And this is my full time job. I am a full time podcaster, even though I've been doing other shows a lot longer than this show. This is one of my newer shows. It, it still means the world to me to have your support. So if this show is helping you get through your workday, your drive to work, your workout or, you know, just, uh, you know, getting through your week helping you just cope with life or whatever I really do appreciate the support so head over to patreon.com slash lotr lorecast and check out the different tiers see what stuff you can get and and, uh, you know I really do appreciate it Um, also we don't have any new reviews this week but I would love for you to take the time if you want to help me out to head over to Apple Podcasts, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, or even if you just have an account and you want to take some time to drop in a review, five star reviews with some text in there to you know tell people about what you like about the show really does help out. Your words are much more influential than mine in letting people know what you enjoy about the show. And it really does help with the rankings in getting more people aware of the show. And also, if you listen on Spotify to drop a five star review in there also helps. That stuff really does make the show more, um, more higher ranking in search and that kind of thing. So thank you to everyone who takes the time to do that. I really do appreciate it. All right. I'm not going to take any more of your time in the middle of this episode. Let's get on with more, more conversations about what's going on with lights and darkness at the beginning of the story. Here we go. I talk a lot about themes in this podcast, and that makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of themes in Tolkien's works, right? And I say Tolkien, it should be Tolkien, but please forgive me on any of my pronunciations. Again, I I mess this stuff stuff up a whole lot, and so... Just laugh at me a little bit, but here we go. So there are a lot of themes and one of the themes that occurs and and I'm going to draw a lot of analogies to the Lord of the Rings because I know that if you're listening to this, that you will most likely be familiar with the Lord of the Rings. You'll have watched the movies. You'll probably have read the books. One of the themes that happens in the Lord of the Rings all the time has to do with trees. Think about how many times trees show up. In the Lord of the Rings. Think about the tree. Symbol. Used in Gondor. Why is that? Why do the Gondorians have a tree? What's with the big tree. At the top of. Minas Tirith. What's with the golden trees. Of Lothlorien. Why all the trees. So many trees. Right. Trees are everywhere. I mean trees are are everywhere, But what's with the tree symbolism and why are trees so important? Yeah, OK, they 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 represent growth. They represent rebirth in the fact that, like, the tree grows another leaf It has to represent at least the, the tree in Gondor has to represent the coming back of a king, all of that stuff. But the, there's a lineage with those trees specifically, and that lineage goes all the way back to Valinor. Valinor, I should say Valinor. <laughs> so here get this get this this line directly from the Silmarillion quote and as they watched upon the mound there came forth two slender shoots and silence was over all the world in that hour nor was there any other sound save the chanting of Yavanna now remember Yavanna plants growth Under her song the saplings grew and became fair and tall, and came to flower. And thus there awoke in the world the two trees of Valinor. Of all things which Yvanna made, they have most renown, and about their fate all the tales of the elder days are woven." These two trees are two of the most important things to have ever been created. Not just for symbolism, but for life itself to exist. One of them is golden, and one of them is silver. Their names are Laurelin, the gold tree and Talperion, the silver tree. They brought light to the land. These trees glowed. They weren't just trees. They were lights. They brought warmth and light to the world. So similarly to these orbs, which were created in the north and the south, now instead, in Valinor, in the city of the gods. But as we understand them, they're more spirits right in the city of these powerful spirits protected by mountain ranges and fortresses. There are these two gigantic trees. And what's cool about this is you have a golden one and a silver one. And again, think about the sun and the moon. And they wax and they wane, alternating. So while the golden one, Laurelin, lights up, the silver one, Telperian, dims. And then the silver one starts to light up, and the golden one dims. And so the color of the light alternates across the land. It's such a cool imagery. And such a unique idea. I talk about how Tolkien's ideas often connect to other mythologies and things like that. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on this. I'm not sure how this connects to anything else mythological specifically. I'm sure there's some connection here, but this one seems to be mostly unique, at least in my basic understanding as of recording this right now. And they have a lineage. These trees, and I'm going to go into more detail about this in the future, but the trees in the stories from this part forward, not every tree, but the trees in the rest of the stories, the trees in Lothlorien, the tree of Gondor are descendants from these trees. These trees are... Are callbacks. These trees represent not just physical descendants, but also spiritual descendants from the powers that created the world. This idea that all of these stories descend from this original story. Everything's connected from this point forward. The power of the light of the trees itself is one of the most beautiful, enchanting, powerful things in the entire story the want to possess that light the want to be in that light the want to consume that light the want to take that light and be able to carry it forward and hold on to that light in fact the want to actually take that light and store it somewhere and keep it for yourself is a major part of this story moving forward. Do you know why the book is called the Silmarillion? It's because there are gems called Silmarils, which were designed to store the light of the trees. Galadriel's hair is beautiful in part because it's said to have captured some of the golden light of Laurelin, the tree. So much of the beauty of the world is tied directly back to these trees, the importance of these trees. And because of that, so much of the sorrow, so much of the terrible things that are yet to come, because, as we know, Melkor is never finished. And while Melkor was out, away from the world, out in the outer darkness, he came across a creature that was not of Arda. A creature whose name is Ungoliant, who takes the form of something familiar, a giant spider. And you might be thinking of another giant spider and that giant spider, Shelab is a child of Ungoliant. Descendants. Echoes of stories previous. Melkor is not done. But that's a story for the future. Thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in a little bit more about this topic this week, then you're welcome to join us on the Patreon, where I'll be covering more about light and darkness and tolkien and until next week stay safe out there don't trust melkor because he'll uh, turn you into some sort of monstrosity and try to you know burn down the lights that light the world or some such thing in order to you know take it over all right <laughs> we'll see you next time thanks for being here bye everybody thanks for listening to the lord of the rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, The Elder Scrolls Lorecast, The Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.